today on WBEZ Presents. The Peanut Butter and Jelly Sandwich. Simple, humble, delicious. Hi, I'm Justin Bull, a digital producer here at WBEZ. The PB&J is a staple from childhood, filled with nostalgia. Whether you prefer chunky or creamy peanut butter, jam or jelly, grape or strawberry, it's a comfort food that many people continue to seek out as adults. But what about the adults that I work with here at WBEZ? Uh, did anyone in here have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today? I did. I'm going to talk to you later. Okay. I asked that question at a WBEZ staff meeting. Web producer Chris Hagen's hand shot right up. Uh, what did you have for lunch today? I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That is fantastic. What? How did you make it? How do you take it? Uh, well, so today I used cranberry jam. Uh, it's a preference of my wife. It's not mine in particular. Uh, but it was available, and so I used it. I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich basically every day, and I have for the last four years, I think, something like that. Every day for four years. Can you believe that? Everything was going so well. And then, like a PB&J made with stale bread and too much jelly, it all falls apart. Education reporter Sarah Karp, (laughs) when's the last time you had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Oh, I haven't had one for at least like a a couple weeks, but I actually make three to four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day for my son. Podcast intern Brady Guy, what's for lunch today? Barbecue. Reporter Dan Weissman, what'd you have for lunch today? I have not had lunch yet. How often do you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Rarely. Nerdette producer Candice Mattel, what's for lunch today? Turkey chili. How often do you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, though? Never. Jesse Dukes, Curious City audio producer. Uh, when's the last time you've had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Well, it's it's been many years because I never, I don't like jelly. Food, culture, and health reporter, Monica Eng. How often do you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Almost never because I write about health. It's not fancy enough. No, Monica. sugar is terrible for you. And There you have it. My unscientific survey of people with an eyesight of my desk indicates that adult consumption of PB&J is sadly not widespread. You get it? Widespread. A very different group of professionals, however, have been flocking to the PB&J, professional basketball players. In fact, it's a secret pregame addiction for many an NBA star, including Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma Thunder, one of the best players in the game right now. Here's Westbrook on Jimmy Kimmel Live back in 2015. What are your rituals before the game? Do you have any? You know what? Uh, i got to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, really? Yes. What uh, kind of peanut butter? Skippy. I like Skippy. Skippy. And then uh, have to be, the bread has to be toasted. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're wheat, a gourmet. Wheat, wheat bread. Wheat bread. Wheat. Interesting. Wheat. What kind of jelly? Uh, strawberry. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sometimes I put a little butter on the bread as well, too. Oh, really? It all depends. On the outside or on the end? Both. Oh, wow. ESPN the magazine recently explored the role of the PBJ in the NBA. The writer, Baxter Holmes, first noticed the trend when covering the Boston Celtics as a young reporter back in 2008. In a conversation with Tony Sarabia on WBEZ's Morning Shift, Holmes traces the rise of the PBJ to then-Celtic Kevin Garnett, the intimidating future Hall of Famer who brought the trend to the Boston locker room. What was it like before this? I mean, what were teams eating pre-game and even post-game? So um, food being made available to players pregame, postgame really wasn't a thing. I mean, there's been a revolution, um, not only in just guys eating peanut butter jelly, but just in catered food. 
uh, in the NBA, especially having uh, really well done catered food. Like the Lakers, for instance, had their pre and post game meals catered by Whole Foods. Um, but that's you know that's not to say the guys didn't eat a peanut butter and jelly here and there. But I'm uh-huh. talking about kind of being on a mass produced scale. In a lot of instances, guys would kind of get food from whatever was available within arena concessions at various arenas because uh, you know again food being made available to players wasn't really much of a a thing for quite a long time. So we're talking maybe a hot dog and and maybe a slice of pizza, something like that. Maybe even some some nachos. Sure. I mean, look, uh, hamburgers were a pretty popular thing. Guys could stop at McDonald's, you know, anyway, a variety of fast food. It's kind of funny to me about the kind of food that some of these players could eat and still perform at, at really high levels. It shows you just how great of athletes they were. How did this trend spread spread the way it did from from just Mr. Garnett to a lot of NBA players and a lot of NBA teams? In some instances, uh, when members of that Celtics team went to other places, they kind of took the trend with them. Um, it was also evident to certain teams playing against the Celtics that they would hear about, uh, oh, wait, this, there's peanut butter and jelly in the other locker room. We like, can we get some of those? <laughs> and I think what you have to remember is that you know, this is a pretty beloved sandwich, uh, certainly throughout childhood. And a lot of these players are pretty young. They're not that far removed. And when they're a little bit hungry before a game, uh, they want something that's quick, easy, familiar digest pretty, you know, uh, pretty quickly uh-huh. and peanut butter and jelly checks all those boxes. But we're not talking just your basic it, it from what I can gather, there are a lot of different variations are, are play. It, it seems like players are pretty specific about the kind of PBJ that they have. Oh man, that's, <laughs> you got that right. They can be very particular about, uh, the kind of bread, the kind of, uh, peanut butter or almond butter or any other kind of butter jams and jellies. There's certainly, I found through the reporting of this for ESPN, the magazine, that there is a very strong divide between um, strawberry and grape jelly. People are either in one camp or the other, and they think the other camp is, like, indefensible. So, um, yeah, there's definitely some very, very strong preferences. And then even certain techniques that are kind of interesting. Uh, One of my colleagues learned that Carmelo Anthony of the New York Knicks prefers to have his on a bagel, particularly a cinnamon raisin bagel. So yeah, (laughs) there's all kinds of weird quirks out there. (laughs) We're talking to sports writer Baxter Holmes about his latest ESPN magazine article, The NBA's Secret Addiction, which turns out to be PB&J. You know, over the years, Baxter, we've seen a lot of players come from outside of the U.S. And and what, if any, reaction have they had to to this practice, Uh, something that probably is foreign to them? Sure. Um, So a good example of that would be New York Knicks rookie, uh, Chris Tabs Porzingis, who's from Latvia, and growing up in Latvia, he had never had peanut butter and jelly. It just wasn't a thing there. But he got to the NBA, and he said he fell in love with it. And he now has, you know, he he loves them before a game. He even loves them before he goes to bed. Um, and on the other side of that, there can be friction, shall we say, when certain outsiders come in, they're just kind of not hip to the NBA's <laughs> PB&J habit. And it happened with the Golden State Warriors. They had a, brought in a sports scientist from Australia. He wanted to kind of change their diet for the team, took away PB&J, and it more or less started a, kind of a, a month-long war between him and the players, and he's no longer employed by the team. Yeah, you called it the great uh, peanut butter and jelly war of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell us the story about Dwight Howard's conversion to the sandwich. Oh, man. Well, so... Um, Dwight, like a lot of players, certainly liked the sandwich. But the interesting thing with him is that during his time with the Lakers, his one season, uh, he was coming off back surgery, wasn't really healing well. And the nutritionist believed that he was exhibiting some signs of a certain disorder you get kind of in pre-diabetes, just tingling in the legs and arms. Mm -hmm. Anyways, they needed to do a sugar um, intervention because 
Dwight had a legendary sweet tooth, and it was learned that Dwight was consuming about the equivalent of two dozen chocolate bars a day worth of sugar. So they had to clean up his entire diet, all the candy and soda and whatnot, but there was only one question that Dwight asked, one food that he was unwilling to give up. He wanted to still eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And and so what did what did that trainer and you already mentioned the the gentleman from Australia who created the the Great War of 2015 when it came to the sandwich house he's no longer with them. What do trainers generally say about this addition to uh, the the players' diets? Um, the main thing that I've heard from a lot of guys is that it's not it's it's kind of a lesser of two evils, right? It's not mm. as bad certainly as maybe fried chicken or hamburgers or whatever kind of greasy junk food they could get from in arena concessions or elsewhere when guys are just really hungry and they want something quick and that they like whatever the case may be. Um, and that because it digests easy, it's pretty familiar. It's easy to make. It's pretty cheap. You know, the guys really seem to like it, uh, that it's not that bad. And on top of that, the mental health benefits are where the biggest, you know, the biggest advantage for this sandwich. When you eat it, um, these various opiates are released. Mm-hmm. You kind of feel a rush of happiness of dopamine and endorphins and the, whatever the case may be. It truly is a comfort food. And that's what I've heard from most of these um, nutritionists and others is that, look, it may not be the healthiest thing for you, but it's certainly not that bad. And the mental health benefits are are what make it worth it. So there's a lot of that going in. I, I wanted just to let people know that the Trailblazers, they offer 20 crust list half PB&J pregame, and 10 of them have to be toasted. There's also uh, a team that was offered uh, by Smuckers, these pre-made PB&J, but uh, some other teams said, no, don't, don't touch those. Yeah, that was in Cleveland. So they have a, they have a part, the Cleveland Cavaliers have a partnership with Smuckers, so they get these, um, these uncrustable, prepackaged, uh, frozen PB&Js. They give those to opposing teams. Meanwhile, they make their own artisanal PB&Js with almond butter and bananas and uh, different kinds of homemade uh, jellies and preserves. So it's kind of funny, you know, they, they, the partnership, what they give to other teams that don't want that, by the way, they don't consider that stuff to be very healthy. Meanwhile, the Cavs are dining on really good stuff. What do we know about this being, uh, I mean, is this confined to the, to the NBA, Baxter? Oh, certainly no. PB&Js, I think, are a part of, um, I think, sports in general. Um, and not only, and and certainly, I think they they date back quite a while, but uh, particularly with this article, what I wanted to write about was just the, um, I guess the revolution yeah. of it being available on a mass scale, and then breaking down how far some teams go. You know, I, I mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks in the article. They do a pre B or a, um, sorry a pregame PB and J buffet with offering all different kinds of nut butters and jams, and jellies and Nutella, different kinds of bread and stuff like that. So. As this has kind of advanced and as teams are in an arm, arms race to try to basically improve in every single area, whether it's analytics or in the training room, food is one of those areas. And because of PB&J's um, growth, that's an area where teams are getting more refined as well. What do we know about the Bulls? Any idea of their practices with this addiction? I'm trying to think. I don't, um, I don't know anything particularly about the Bulls, but I, don't, I, but I will say if there's a locker room that – uh, or a team that doesn't serve peanut butter and jelly, I don't, I haven't heard of it, and I certainly haven't seen it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking of of the highlights that I've heard uh, throughout my reporting. I don't know if any stick out from the Bulls. As you note, and a lot of people know, you know, NBA players are are pretty superstitious. How does that fit into to this? Do you think that's that's part of this? Absolutely. Look, uh, um, and I had some some nutritionists and some other specialists say this to me that 
once they get into a habit, and particularly if they play well, I think that was noted with Kevin Garnett kind of in that seminal moment when um, he when PB&J became a thing for the Celtics, when they like something or they do something and, it, and they feel good and it works out, they expect that every game. And if it if it isn't there, it throws them off a little bit. It's kind of like the placebo effect in some ways. Right. If they think it works, it can work uh, for them, you know, even if it's something as simple and small as peanut butter and jelly. So, yeah, absolutely. That plays a role. That was NBA reporter Baxter Holmes talking with WBEZ's Tony Sarabia. Special thanks to Carrie Shepard and everyone at The Morning Shift. To hear more, subscribe to The Morning Shift podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. WBEZ Presents is a WBEZ Chicago production. Check out our feed every week for something that our staff loves and wants you to hear. And tell us what you'd like to hear. Send us an email at podcasts at wbez.org. Thanks. I'm Justin Bull.